This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on wellness, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season three of the podcast. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm not a great cook. I'm currently befriending my inner teen, and there is nothing funnier to me than an adult man dressing up as a baby. Hi, I'm Janelle. I'm constantly making myself laugh in my own head. I keep hiking in flip-flops, and my second toe is longer than my big toe. Hey, I'm Kristen. I'm a kid at heart. I wish I could fist bump Barack Obama and wish my dog could drive. And we are your host of the True North Collective podcast. Oh my God, this is perfectly epitomize you. <laughs> why do you want, what, I mean, I can imagine why you'd want your dog to drive because I immediately started laughing, but why, why do you actually want your dog to drive besides the comic effect? You know, sometimes you just, uh, you just want to be dropped off. Later. Uh, you know, go to a grocery store, run real quick, or you know, back in the day, if I went to happy hour, like, uh, could you pick me up? Be great. Yeah, Buddha bear. Yeah, Buddha bear. Yeah. Would you want know? too many Buddha bear? Hop in that yeah. car and get me. I mean, such a great listener. <laughs> one Rachel, that was a very Wisconsin accent. I feel like. And Which then, one? The one I just did. Buddha bear. Buddha. <laughs> Really? Oh, I that's felt so... like it was like a upper. <laughs> um, would your dog be a good driver? Do you think, like in this persona, is like your dog responsible or? <laughs> I think slightly better than you know that Uber driver that you're not sure you're gonna make it out alive. Just yeah. slightly though. Yeah, you might yeah. use the brakes a little bit. Might have a little <laughs> bit of a neck injury. That's oh my god. Oh my God. Janelle, what would your dogs be like as drivers? Um, oh gosh. Depends on which one. Um, one is kind of dopey. So he would probably just like be moving really slow and he would just be like, where do I go? Huh? What am I doing? Uh, and then the other one's super smart and overly hyper. And he would probably just be like, let's go. Where? We'd crash. My parents' dog, I don't have a dog, but my parents' dog is a little Shih Tzu Brussels Griffin mix, and she thinks she's, like, the biggest personality ever. So I think she'd have road rage. Be like the Uber driver that tells all the stories about themselves because they're an Uber <laughs> driver because they want other people to listen to them talk. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. You're like, I'm here. Whenever I get in an Uber, I always, you know, talk their ear off. I'm like, hey, uh, why'd you, how'd you get into this? What's your favorite part? <laughs> conversations you hear you know it's uh you know definitely (laughs) depends on my mood like sometimes I don't want to talk at all like I'll put my headphones in I'm in the back seat I'm like head down I'm like please do not converse with me and then sometimes I'm that person that like hops in the passenger seat and I'm like hey buddy let's go for a drive (laughs) they're like you sit in the back (laughs) no they like slowly turn up the music it's like like, "Uh, uh, 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 okay (laughs) Like, drop you off the blocker early <laughs> yeah they're like this is close enough right Janelle do you know what it means to have a second toe bigger than your first toe no it has meaning ah oh, fuck I was trying to google it I swear it means something like there's like a not an urban legend like a um, old wives tale or something 
it mean, I thought it mean meant. I thought it meant something. But does, this, does it mean you're a really good toe pincher? You know, people that try to <gasps> pinch people. Okay, so what? you're gonna have to open up a can of worms because I keep telling oh. people that I want to sell pictures of my feet for money, and like people say, if you can do things with your feet, you can make more money. And I was like, I actually can pinch a ton of stuff with my toes, so I think I was born for it. You can make some really good money off of feet pics. Oh, oh, I was so confused. I was like, I can pinch things with my toes, but you mean like people are just like turned on stuff. by it? Yeah. Oh, but only if your bigger toe is second or your well, second toe is bigger. I don't know. I think they're in all types of feet, but, but they're like, you get paid more if it's like videos or pictures of like you doing stuff with your feet. So like how be much? Like, you know, some girl on TikTok, I don't know how accurate this is, but she was at a gas station and some guy liked her feet and he paid her 80 bucks for a photo of her foot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I was like, that's sort of disgusting. And then I was like, I would have totally done it. I, I would like, for yeah, sure all day. I'd be like, you, yeah, you take multiple. Here's my email address. Ask for more later. <laughs> and my Venmo. Oh my gosh. Feet are so delineating though. Because some people, I mean, I was a dancer. And so I remember there were some dancers who were grossed out by feet. And it was, oh, my God. People, some people are so grossed out by them. I'm not, like, I I wouldn't say I'm grossed out by them. I wouldn't say I love them either. But, like, I'm not, like, I touch my own feet all the time. I would totally send feet reflections of my feet. Yeah. I used to pretend to do, like, a thumbs up with my big toe oh man you would be good too you could probably make some good I, money. I know that's why when you said that I was like I should do this I'm gonna I'm gonna take a photo of it right now and send it to you guys it's pretty impressive you really should. so one one time uh I was getting a little tattoo on my foot and I've always wanted to get a smiley face on my big toe so I, I had them do that uh but you know the bottom of your feet the skin wears off so kind of easily yeah. I had about two weeks but it was pretty Pretty awesome. I had a smiley face on a big toe underneath awesome. on the on the bottom of it. <laughs> That's so cute. I love that. Okay, hold on, hold on. It's coming to you guys right now. <laughs> Better be good. <laughs> I mean, it's, I've thought about it a lot. I would sometimes just do that, and then I'd like try to. I'd be like, try to. I mean, it really. You can really convince yourself that it's a thumb. I mean, a very big thumb. <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> oh my god. How? You get it? I did. I might try and Oh I got it now. Oh I my god. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> that is that is pretty good. I feel like I, I have to right. save this photo of your foot now because people are gonna wanna see what you're talking about and I'm just gonna have a picture of Rachel's foot on my phone until we post this episode in like six weeks. <laughs> Janelle, if you start making money off that, then you have to pay me royalties. Oh man, I said, no, it's I, a pretty actually, good one. I mean, that's that's impressive. It really is. I definitely can't do that. But I'm serious. I started <laughs> really. You can't, dude. No, all my toes are stuck together. Like they all move. They're not. What no. you have webbed feet? <laughs> my oh brother my has webbed toes. It's no, crazy. Not, they're not okay. <laughs> 
Now I'm gonna send you a photo of my foot. Okay, hold on. I'm just staring at this. I'm just staring at your photo. I'm so like, how how do you do that? I know. I'm trying. I think that's why when I was younger, and then I would see it, and I'd be like, oh my god, that is like a thumbs up. And then I'd just sit there and I'd stare at it, and I'd be like, it's a foot. It's a thumbs up. It's a foot. It's a thumbs up. Like you know those paintings that you do where it can be like two things. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I apparently had a real so <laughs> lively you, childhood. <laughs> you know how, like, uh, you should start an Instagram with just your foot, like everywhere you travel in the world or wherever you go, you just have your thumbs up toe <gasps> hidden. Oh my gosh! I you—that's actually a genius idea because I seriously googled how to get into selling photos of your feet, and the internet was like how to become a foot model and I was like internet I don't want to become a foot model I'm just trying to make a dirty buck like where's the book <laughs> a dirty a book a buck buck, oh, buck. <laughs> I was like <laughs> sister you can make a dirty buck if you want <laughs> no I couldn't find I was like where are all the sites where I can sell photos of my feet <laughs> where oh my are those? Gosh. the dark web so Rachel I sent you a picture Kristen I I wish this was a group message of me trying to do exactly what you did and <laughs> I use my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Let's just I'm say really... that all my toes are curled under. There's not a big toe sticking up. I can, all right. They all just work together. Like if I try to put one down, they all go down. Oh, what? No, no, no. <laughs> but I don't understand how that's possible. That's how my fingers are so too. All my fingers, like it... they don't always, they, like some of them, like my ring finger, my middle finger, they have, I don't know. Interesting. Too connected. I mean, as a dancer, again, we used to, before you could be on point, you had, we had to do these toe exercises where you had to lift all your 10 toes up and then place each one down by itself and then lift it up by itself. So like if you put all your toes on the ground and then try to lift up your pinky toe first, that shit is not natural. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't do that, but that's what we used to have to do to strengthen our feet before we could get on point. So I maybe. Well, I've I've always been a head dexterous toes, so Yeah. By the way, I think this episode is gonna be the end to our future at making money on feet because people You're, are I mean you are obsessed with this right now. I am. Maybe on your on your road trip you can bring you know, the feet everywhere is really a thing, I think. Yeah. I know, but I don't know. You need to figure out toe. what you need to figure out what your foot posture is gonna be though. Yeah, like mine's the thumbs mean. up. What's yours? Like the the peace sign with your big sec, like the two Webers that are like stuck together. I do not have love toes. Just <laughs> <laughs> Mine's like a fit. I can't do anything but curl them under. That's me too. Oh, okay. oh a fist bump. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny. I'm literally staring at my foot right now, trying to figure out what I can do with it. And it's like, Kristen, like you said, I'm like, no, just all toes are curly. That's the only thing they can do. Maybe my I think this would be book. a sick coffee table book, but it could work oh. out. I, I see Urban Outfitters selling it. I do too, actually. See, this is it's like things. Dude, we this. can start the new, um, you know, the, remember the hot dog or legs? Yeah. It's like that. Is it a yeah. thumbs up or is it a two your big toe? That's pretty good. <laughs> Okay. Wow. Um, <laughs> Rachel, this is going to be our book. This is that's your effective yeah, book. I, would, I, don't, I would like it to be more than that, but that's a <laughs> yes. It could be 
Maybe there's still your second book. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so before we um, introduce Kristen, I just want to share my favorite men dressed up as babies clips so that there's context there because um, if anyone else is the same, you're going to really want to watch these. So the first one is Broad City. I think it's the trailer or it's like one of the very first episodes. And the guy from Portlandia, who's the guy from Portlandia? Do you guys know? Yeah, Armin. Yeah, yeah, Fred Armisen. Yes. Armisen. He <laughs> he hires him to clean his apartment, and then like he's super weird. And then at the end, he's dressed up like a baby, and he's like, "I don't have no money. I'm a baby." And it's like, oh my god, it's so funny. I can't. I like when I'm in a bad mood, I just turn that on until. A few months ago, when I uh, watched the LaGuardia SNL clip, and I don't know who it is that dresses up like a baby in it, but oh my god, it's the funniest shit ever. So, those are the two things that make me laugh so hard that I cry. So you guys should check them out. Link it in the show notes. You what? I said link it in the show notes. Yeah, I for sure will link it in the show notes. Um. No, that does nothing for you guys. Oh, I mean, SNL all day, every day. Who's, the, your, who's where, your SNL person? Oh, there's so many. And like what decade or what year, you know? I know. Um, I like grew up watching SNL. I remember my mom just sitting on the couch with her late night watching it. And then I just, it's been, it's like a, a pastime now. But uh, yeah, me too. That's a hard, that's a hard one. Kate McKinnon. Love yeah. her. She is yeah, pretty good. So she's hilarious and she's uber attractive. I'm just like, oh my god, you're yeah. awesome. And then Will Ferrell, obviously. Yeah. I always I, I, loved Tracy Morgan. Oh yeah, Chris Farley. That's, that's yeah. Mm. R.I.P. Yeah. Have you seen the Daryl Hammond documentary? No, but somebody was telling me about. That. Oh, dude, you gotta watch it. Yeah, it's. Oh my gosh. Wow. I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff on boundaries right now. And it just like the way he approached what happened to him in his life gave me this permission to have like, to not be so attached to the identity of myself as a kid. You know, like what is done to us sometimes that we like, I, I have wrapped myself so into it. It's like, oh my gosh, this is like, this defining part of who I am and like it means something about me and he's done such a great job of like owning it without letting it run his life at least that's how they've depicted the documentary so is it I it's I definitely think it's a must watch I mean it's sad but I read a Chris Farley biography like kind of right when it came out and that was pretty powerful yeah it's cool to see to watch Lauren Michael like really care about his people it's almost like he's created this space for people who are like working through some crazy shit and this is their outlet and he knows it. And, and that was kind of interesting to me um, to like watch him be this, like, this is my job is actually to like have this space for these brilliant people who are like working through some really serious stuff and to like hold this for them. And it's like, whoa, it's crazy. 
What a podcast! Here to tell you about The Collective. The Collective is a community that Rachel and I have put together where we host unchicker-kitted conversations live over Zoom on a specific topic that we are wrestling with or struggling with. We would love to have you join. The Collective typically happens on the first Thursday of every month. In July, because of the holiday, we are going to be hosting it on July 9th at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. And we would love to see your smiling faces over Zoom and have you join us. To jump in, check out the link on our Instagram or you can sign up for a mailing list where you can get all the deets on the events, workshops, and things that are happening with the True North Collective. You can do that at thetruenorthcollective.org. All right, back to the episode. Yeah. All right. Shall we introduce Kristen? Yo. Yes, we shall. All right. Um, Kristen Goss, I am so excited to have you. So Kristen and I met... I don't know, a few months ago when Breathe, the, the, the meditation studio Breathe opened that we both are at in Dallas. And um, I just, like your energy is just so calming and inviting. And we always ended up having these really calm, interesting conversations about life. And so I was like, you got to be on our podcast and talk about some of that stuff. So Kristen is a yoga and meditation teacher. She is the creator of Dogma Soul, which is a lifestyle brand that leverages inspiration of handmaids for the mind, body, and soul. And I'm so excited to have you, Kristen. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. I'm also, this is not important, but I'm very impressed by your Zoom skills too, because I'm watching you like mute and unmute and like that's a skill set in itself. So I'm just going to give you I like turn on. I'm like, oh wait, nope. (laughs) No. She knows what's up. She knows how to do this. So Kristen, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself just so our listeners know who you are, who they're talking to and kind of how, how you got here today. Yeah. Um, So in short, I've been in the yoga meditation world for almost three years. I left, uh, not to be a stereotype, but corporate world. I used to be in marketing and event management for uh, really partnerships with uh, Olympic Committee world uh, for U.S. and Canada, and then also in the music festival world. And so I have a lot of kind of that creative marketing or events background and loved what I did, got to do a lot of travel, which travel has been a big creative inspiration for me. But you know how it goes, you just kind of like write your soul away and work hard, play hard. And uh, I just, I was kind of over it. I needed to do something else kind of creative, but also challenging. So I just made a huge jump, like had no kind of plan B, just uh, we'll, we'll figure it out as we go. Um, and I'm a big wanderlust type of person and I had Thailand on my bucket list. So about three years ago, actually it was February, 2017, I decided, you know, F it. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to do my 200 hours in yoga, you know, not really knowing if I was going to teach, just figured it could be a good way to kind of reset. I'll come back, kind of figure something else out. And I wouldn't even say I was a yogi before. I didn't really have a community here in Dallas. Uh, let's be real. I probably went to about 20 classes in, in a year at more of a fitness style yoga studio, but I, I fell in love with it. 
it's such a beautiful practice, whether it's physically yoga or in the world of meditation. Um, and it was just one of those things like, oh, I need to live and breathe this. And even teaching, it kind of forces you to, to personally live and breathe it. I, I like that the practice is kind of like no, no bullshit. I don't know if I can say that on here, but uh, you know, it I kind of feels it. Okay, cool. Um, and if I have any F words, just go beep. No, but, uh, but okay, there we go. Great. It off. Okay, groovy, groovy. So I, I joke, it's like I drink the punch and I'm like, can I have a bucket of that punch? So I, I came back to Dallas and decided, okay, I'm going to, I want to make this kind of a career, make this direction. I got a little bit of exposure to meditation. And when I came back to Dallas, I was trying hard to kind of figure out, okay, how can I get involved? There really weren't any specific studios that were solely meditation. It was kind of, all right, here's the yoga studio that we all offer a little bit of meditation. And somebody had told me about Chelsea and who is one of the co-founders of Dallas's Breathe Meditation Studio. And really our relations kind of picked up. She launched her meditation teacher training. So I kind of went all in with all my plethora of trainings. Uh, so I did my 200 hours in yoga, then jumped to meditation. And then this past summer, I went back to Thailand, did a Thai massage program at the Wat Po Temple, which is where Thai massage originated, and then jumped over to India and did my extra 300 hours in yoga. So it's just a fascinating world from a traditional practice. Um, and then that's just kind of evolved. So not only just learning the ins and out of teaching, but it's kind of guided me in this whole new direction of merging this new wellness perspective, my love for kind of the creative arts. One of my favorite parts about adventuring is just that creativeness connection that we all have at our core, no matter where you are in the world. And, you know, now merging kind of my event background. So trying to figure out a way to kind of merge all of those different areas together. So in short, here I am today. I love that. I love that story. It's like, I hear so much of you just follow, like taking, not, not just taking a, a small leap, taking like a humongous leap and being like, here we go. Um, it's funny because that timing is really similar to like our timing with the True North Collective. And it's really similar with just my timing leaving the corporate world too. So it's kind of interesting. <clears throat> It's really interesting. And there's some other people that I've come across, like specifically with kind of that early part of the 2017 year. It's kind of weird, like those kind of energetic cross of paths, just how many other humans that I see have creatively sparked some kind of craft, uh, really putting together their passion. It's just, it's really bizarre, but unique and, and really cool to to see yeah what was happening back then <laughs> also i love how you thumb. say what'd you say all the th uh thumbs toe up thumbs <laughs> <laughs> i mean i love that i'm gonna take that toe up it's thumb like a peter piper pickle kind of attitude. <laughs> i also love how you say bucket 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 yo oh my god i could listen to you talk all day okay <laughs> call you later <laughs> oh my gosh so when you took that leap I 
I'll say it. Um, I feel like I'm going to take a similar leap where, I mean, my life's already been flipped upside down in 2020, but we're going to keep flipping it. Um, like, how did you just, did you like, my biggest thing is like just taking the step, but there's so much trust and just leaping. I mean, were you scared? Like, were you worried that you're going to come back from this yoga retreat and just be like, what am I doing? <laughs> or this teacher? Training? Yeah. I mean, I, it was, it wasn't even just like, oh, a little hop and a skip. Like I literally was like, I'm going to jump off this fucking cliff and it may or may not work out. And you know, in general, as the, as a person, I try as best as I can to just kind of go into it. Um, like I'm not even the type of person like, Hey, I'm going to go meet this, this person for the first time. Like I really, I'm not going to Google you. I, I want to meet you up front, uh, kind of gather my own knowledge with you on my own experiences. And I've kind of always been like that. So, which is a blessing and a curse. Um, and I just, uh, I think I was trying at first so desperately to figure out a way to not go back to corporate world and even corporate world. I was on the account kind of client side and I oversaw creative and I just, I'm just such a, at the core creative person. So you know, I have no other words for it just other than it's, it's been a very hard process to not only just jump and try to build a little bit of that trust, which to be honest, I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out, but just kind of allow it to evolve and grow. However, it needs to be naturally. I figured in my head, what's the worst case, I do go back to a corporate world. And and just kind of keeping that in the back of my head that no matter what, there's still a solution or an option, but shit, I'm going to try really hard not to go back there. <laughs> <Not a lot. laughs> yeah. I remember <clears throat> after I decided to go into life coaching, um, I mean, I had a lot of reverb around it because I hate the name. I think it's so stupid, but um, the more, I mean, it, I kept getting pulled to it. So I was just like, I got to do this. I got to do this. But there were, I mean, as I was like, it was almost in parallel. I was still looking at agencies that I could go back to, um, or corporate corporations that I could go even into their, um, strategy and branding departments because it is, it's like, I don't know when you only, and for me, my parents were pretty traditional in terms of the jobs that they took. I mean, not anymore, but at that point they had been. And so it's like, I know it's possible, <laughs> but like, there's a lot of ways I could convince myself that this is going to get really screwed up and like that I'm going to totally mess up my future, you know, but here I am, however many years later. And like, I definitely am still in the growing stuff, but I love it. It's like you just continuing to say yes and continuing to show up because my heart is there. It's like, I'm things that I wanted to have happen that I was like, I guess this might not happen before I would ever leave Dallas. And then they, they do. And I don't know. It's like, if it's, I don't know, Janelle, you said to me the other day in, in, uh, respect to relationships, you know, you can get really hung up on whether or not somebody is the right person for you. And then you could like stay around because you're scared of whatever. But at the end of the day, if you're supposed to be with a person, you're going to be with them no matter what you end up doing. And I kind of feel like it's the same thing. Like you could kind of apply that to this too. So. I love it when I say smart stuff. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I would, I would love to talk to Kristen about, you know, it is fairly new and we've had some conversations about like finding your teaching voice, like finding your voice in front of a group and what that experience has been like, um, for you just, yeah, just maybe talk about that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, for me, it was tricky, not, not to say, right. We all have unique, different experiences, but I, I really had no idea what I was getting into. I didn't have a studio that I, you know, had a strong community or bond with. So I felt when I came back from my first trip with Thailand and I wanted to start teaching, I had to create my own world or try to create new relationships and then just understanding how to teach. So that was, that was really tricky at first. So I just started to, whether it was like create my own events or you volunteer, you kind of say yes to different opportunities. Like you're saying, Rachel, where you just kind of let it evolve with the word. Yes. But I think it was a lot of trial and error, figuring out what works, what doesn't. I know at the the beginning of finding my voice, I, ha- I had it stick with a, a very uh, planned out script. You know, I, I go into teaching every class with an idea of what I'm going to teach and map it out. But I'm, if you ask my friends, I've always been kind of the loud one and goofy and I guess not your stereotype of, hello, here's calm and peace and my words, which is awesome. And I think I am kind of starting to transition there, but I think I'm finally within this almost three year mark, finding my voice in an authentic perspective where I try to be educational have a little bit of that calm, but Hey, here's also my like weird goofy kind of sense of humor. So, uh, and and Rachel, I know we talked about this before where it's like, all right, maybe you like it, maybe you don't, but that's fine. Just don't, don't come to my class or, you know, and I think you build that confidence and start to meet other people in the community. And it's, it's really unique, uh, experience. That's for sure. I like we've talked about the creative process before in the podcast and kind of how you mentioned a lot of times when you're finding your voice or you're trying to build something, it does start with a little bit more of a script or you're paying attention to the other people around you and you're like, okay, I kind of like what that person's doing. How can I do that my way? I kind of like what that person's doing. How can I do it my way? And then eventually it evolves into something that, that is your own. Um, Cause I, <laughs> I've, I mean, I think I still have that and I've been teaching for gosh, it's been 11 years now, not yoga, but other forms of fitness and finding your instructor brand and your voice and how you want to approach things. Like, I still feel like I'm figuring it out. And I mean, it's always evolving too of what it looks like and what's authentic to me. And depending on what class you're teaching, um, yeah it's very I I think it's actually pretty tricky because you really have to look inward to and figure out like am I am I just taking things that I've seen or have I actually made this mine yeah totally and I think also as you dive deeper into this practice we're trying to be healers we're still trying to help others students or maybe fellow teachers and I think for me personally it's my voice authentic and then making sure 
people are getting what they need out of that experience, whether it's a five, 15, 20 minute meditation or an hour long class or kind of one-on-one work together. But I don't know if it's the creative mind of it, but knowing you're not going to have it perfected right now. Like it's always evolving and changing. Yeah, I think finding finding my voice as a meditation teacher and as a, you know, a facilitator, because I do quite a bit of workshop facilitation now with the coaching stuff and group coaching. Um, there is, it's interesting, I'm still figuring, I'm still finding that fine line too, because it's like you have to be mindful, and I'll just use breathe as an example. Um, I have to be mindful of the breathe brand and like what they're trying to represent and that voice, then like the voice of a, a kind of a movement of medi- you know, of meditation. So like, I feel like there is an expectation of what your voice sounds like within the meditation world. Um, and then my own personal brand. And so I am, I think at this point, I'm still probably in the space of not so much scripted, but I think I don't let my inner weirdo out as much as I like. Um, and it's, you have to be careful, right? Cause how much of that is a distraction from it being somebody else's practice. And so, but also that like, this is me and I want to invite people to know that this practice isn't about being, you know, stripped, totally stripped down. At least to me, it's not, it's still about, you know, it's honoring your way through it. And so to do that, I think being able to represent all the facets of who you are and the quirks and the real stuff is, is important. Like we're not all going to be Buddhas like sitting there and we shouldn't be. And I think when, when that expectation is set, at least for me, when that expectation is set from, or has been, it is daunting. And I think that's part of the reason why I loved and was drawn to Chelsea so much is because she does, she does let quite a bit of her stuff hang out. You know, I mean, she's put together, don't get me wrong. Like she is professional as all hell and knows what she wants and she's going to get what she wants and she has expectations. But when you sit and you take from her, you, you know, our guy or um, she's teaching you, like I went through her training as well she's real. And there was something very, very attractive and endearing about that for me that I was like, that's the kind of teacher that I want to be. I want to be able to be myself while also being able to hold a space that allows others to be invited to be themselves. So like my own quirks didn't become the focus. My own quirks were the invitation for people to embrace theirs. And there's a really fine line there I've found um, where if I'm trying really hard to have it be me, now it's a, I'm not actually in service of anyone. I'm in service of this identity that I'm trying to create versus if I am just allowing who I am in the moment and be and modeling the behavior of like being okay with where I am and using the words that happen to come out because it's coming through the filter of my, of me. (laughs) Um, That's different. That feels permission giving. So I, I play with that quite a bit versus again, versus pushing the pendulum the uh, even further where it's again, creating the identity of like what I think a meditation teacher is supposed to be. So it's an interesting balance. You're in my brain. (laughs) (laughs) 
but exactly that like how do i not be too goofy um i'm definitely really trying to figure that out yeah here's me invite you in but not being distracting that yeah yeah totally you were what do you how do you how have you practiced that have you honed that i think just with I know personally experience and then taking as many classes, whether it's, whether it's our Dallas crew type of teachers, specifically at breathe or, you know, I, I use some apps, meditation apps and just really observing the experience, you know, try to, to stay present within that meditation. If it's a guided perspective and then just kind of, all right, well coming out of it. Yeah. How do I feel? What did I like best? What caught my attention in a way to stay present? Uh, I don't know. That's a great question. No, that's a good answer. I, 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 I mean, I was asking myself that when I asked you that too. And I think part of it is totally that, like allowing myself to see, to really hone in on the really subtle differences between teachers and how and how, how that brings their own personality out while still maintaining the integrity of the practice. Um, I mean, those are maybe really strong words, but that's like how what came out. Um, but then also I can, I can become very, I can get too in the like, oh, they did that really well. Oh my gosh. Oh shoot. I need to be, I need to be, I need to be. And so then I have to take a step back and be like, stop. Okay. How do you actually drop in Rachel? And how would you guide yourself to drop in? And then I just try to, and so then I kind of lean into what has been true for me in my experience, because I know I'm not everybody, but there are probably at least a a group of other people who would drop in the same way that I would. And so it's kind of that um, give and take of like, not getting so only focused on my way, but then also not getting too sucked into thinking it needs to be the way everybody else is doing it. Yes, I agree. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine too, just with meditation, it's interesting because you aren't really doing hands-on adjustments. And so I was thinking about what a different world it is being, being that teacher versus being like when you guys do yoga and fitness stuff, because for me, I can pretty much like be in service of the experience and I don't have to be worrying too much about, I mean, I am just like looking to make sure people are comfortable and thinking about that. But, um, you know, a lot of times I'll invite people to just like, this is your practice. So whatever you want it to be, Whereas sometimes in fitness classes, like you have to be very aware of who might be injuring themselves. That's a totally other element. Uh, there's a lot of analysts, like analyzing the room and paying attention. And yeah, how do you correct people, but not make them feel bad about themselves, but not, <laughs> yeah, not let them hurt themselves. Yeah. Which... And even like letting people like, Hey, make this your own, like modify this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's yeah, it's um, 
I don't know. I actually love that part. So for me, that's our, I think, and we've talked about this before, but teaching like TRX, that was one of my favorites because you can, there's so many different ways that you can work the same muscle, right? And there's so many different variations of exercises. And like, that's where I get excited. Where I'm like, cool, like here's the base, but then you could add this to it. You could do it this way and it'll be a little bit more supportive and teaching similar probably to yoga but like teaching people how to recognize and feel the different muscles and activation in different parts of their body and learning to recognize what works for that for example a lot of core work if you don't really pay attention to what you're doing you like you might be able to do a really challenging core move but like you're not necessarily activating the muscles that you really want to activate so how do you check in with your body and like figure out what's going to work for where you're at today. Um, and that's, I mean, it's probably similar with meditation because it's all more mental, but I feel like that's the hardest thing to teach people. Like what language do you use? What, how do you relate it to things that they already know so that they can be like, Oh yeah, like that's where I should actually be feeling this. Maybe I don't need to do this version of exercise. I actually need to do a different version to be able to feel it where I'm supposed to. So for me, I feel like I'm more like technical when I teach versus I guess that's a part of my, my voice. That's cool. Janelle, how did you hone your voice? I still like, I think it's still such a work in progress. Um, when I was, so I started teaching again in San Luis Obispo a couple months ago. Um, and I was, took a long break when I moved to San Luis Obispo. Um, but back at, in Milwaukee, it's fire. I don't know. <laughs> Pardon me, like, I feel like I was always teaching people and telling people, it's like, your instructor brand, your persona, like, who do you want to be? Um, and I was teaching it and talking to other people about it, but I don't know if I ever really honed in on my own. Um, we used to give people examples buckets which I think is just like setting up foundational language of like which one do you kind of connect with more all right grow it from here um and I think a lot of my voice was the key, like cueing and cueing in a way that I would want to be cued that would make sense to me like I said relating it back and then being sort of like that cheerleader having fun with it but if I were to look at my voice today and reevaluate, like you all were mentioning, bringing out like the goofier, playful side, um, but doing it in an authentic way. Cause I, I struggle with that just even like as a person. Um, and I think a lot of what we're talking about, like your own voice, whether you're teaching or whether you're just a human being trying to show up as you, um, it all, it all relates of, like, I, I don't know, I, I mentioned this at the beginning, but I think I'm hilarious. Like in my own head, I'm like constantly making jokes that I think are really funny. And I don't think, I, mean, I know my humor is not for everyone and it doesn't make sense to everyone. So it is that balance of like, I think this would be funny, but is this gonna make someone else uncomfortable or are they just like not gonna get it? Or are they gonna think I'm like weird? And then they're just like, this person's really weird. I, I don't wanna come to their class anymore. <laughs> so it's like finding that balance of like, here's my, here's my playful side, like, here's how I approach life, but doing it 
in a way that hopefully doesn't eliminate people um, from coming to my class. And granted, some people just might not like your voice and that's fine. Like not, you're not gonna be for everyone, um, but it definitely feels like a, a balance and a power struggle of not making yourself so niche, especially depending on the market you're in that people don't wanna come to your class. And then still being you. God, that feels like my life. I'm like, I want people to like me, but I want to be myself. But do people like who I actually am? <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I'm sitting here like, I think I shared with you guys that I'm taking this boundaries course right now. And the whole thing is like using, looking at boundaries from a place of, enabling you, giving you permission to be self-expressed, to self-advocate, to, um, to use your voice to not self-abandon in order to, um, in order to get people to like you is basically what it is and, or get people to accept you or get people to respond to you in a certain way. Um, it's been really, really eye-opening and a lot of it is a lot of the practice in this course is we'll have these prompts and you just finish the sentence. So there'll be like a sentence prompt and then you intuitively finish the sentence. And what he says is this is a practice and whatever the first thing is that comes up, you write it down and then you stick with it and a practice in just following through and then detaching from however you're you know, whatever that ultimately ends up um, creating a response from somebody else, like successes in doing it, not in how they respond. And there's just so much trust in being able to detach and operate from that place of like being tapped into your intuition. Um, so yeah, it's, it's cool to hear you talking. I know you're kind of sorting it out while you do it, but I myself can relate to everything that you're saying. Like, Every and I actually feel like I actually feel like the times that I'm practicing using my voice in meditation, and I've told Chelsea this like, I think that my ability to say yes to teaching at her studio and to keep showing up, even though I'm like, I don't totally have this figured out yet, I don't know if anyone, I don't, I'm like, I'm not, you know, these other people that I see, but I keep doing it is helping me to find my voice in my real life. It's just pretty cool. I completely agree. And, you know, you, you just kind of, we're talking about intuition. And I think that's one thing I didn't mention earlier. It's just the evolution of that and finding your voice hundred percent, like trusting, all right, this is me being comfortable with me kind of moving forward with that. And even at the start of my kind of wellness path, I had a really hard time even feeling or trusting my intuitiveness. Like, you know, I just say, where in the body do you feel this? And it's like, I don't know. I don't know the difference between my, my brain, my heart, and I, my gut, my butt. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, so, <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, that's definitely been powerful. And the same thing, Janelle's like, are people going to get this joke? Am I going to offend somebody? Uh, like so much thinking. and Yeah everything yeah is, and I think like the more you step into you too at, at least for me right now 
I feel like I'm having a, a re uh, reawakening of finding my voice in I mean all areas of my life. But then when you start to find it, it's like all that insecurity of like, oh shit, like also lately I'm like, no one likes me. <laughs> it's like I found my voice. And then I'm like, everyone hates my voice. <laughs> and I know that's just like the story you tell yourself, but it's like, all right, still continue forward you can do it. It doesn't matter. Like Rachel said, it's like the detaching, which is so hard. I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. if No one's going to like you. <laughs> well, and- I'll, sh- I'll share this with you, Janelle, because it's, it was, this was the conversation that Kristen and I had where we, I, for me, I was like, oh my gosh, I love this chick. And I want to have this conversation on the podcast, but we were talking, it, it might've been like the first few weeks that Breathe was open and we were getting like, handfuls of people in the class, sometimes just one. And I was explaining that I, and I learned this through my first life coaching certification um, of if somebody comes to your class and they never come again, or they come to your class and they're in the class and it seems like you can feel their energy is just like, doesn't want to be there. And whether that's real or not, like you're in it and you're just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this person hates this. Oh my gosh, they don't want to be here. And they never came back. And then wherever it goes, um, I really practice grounding in the idea that how I show up is how, like if I just allow myself to really check in and I'm like, okay, I showed up to the best of my ability in that moment, even if I realized like, oh man, why did I come off? I was trying too hard or whatever. Okay, say la vie. That's how I showed up. And sometimes the way that we show up is actually in service of other people. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's in service of other people having a bright and shiny experience from it. It could be that we just happened to be a vehicle for a, a you know, a rub, a a friction for them because it was important on their journey to have that that friction point right then and call it the universe whatever was like you can handle this you're able to be okay being the deliverer of this i know you can get through it so you're going to deliver this for this person and while the seed you planted may have looked on the outside like annoyance or you are the worst teacher or all the things that you want to say at the end of the day, we're always influencing the people around us. And as long as you are like able to come from that place of like, I did the best that I could, whether and it doesn't mean that you like are the you know perfect version of yourself, but it, it is, it's trusting in, in the marks that we make on people for good, for bad, whatever. Um, Judy, who, is on here quite a bit shares this example of like she's really good at being in front of like executives and sharing and she's very calm and clear thoughts and can connect dots and can get through to them and she did something at Northwestern Mutual and she froze and she was like I literally she tells a story she's like that never happens to me and I'm up there and I'm just like blanked And so she like, didn't know what to do. So she like grabbed her water, (laughs) trying to gain her composure. And she eventually like gets her way back in it. Um, But afterwards as she was reflecting on it, she's like, what was that? Like I did everything I normally do, like blah, 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 blah. And then she had this aha of maybe there was somebody in the room that needed to see 
somebody else who is like eloquent and put together mess up and see them be able to get through it. And maybe that was actually for somebody in the room. And, you know, she still got out of it what she wanted to, but maybe that was a gift for somebody. And she was like, I can be the deliverer of that experience. And I was like, oh, I love that. And so I try to often tap into that perspective when I do something that I think I've done that's like, oh my God, what a flub. Oh, I totally, like, how could I have done that? Because you just don't know where other people actually are and what impact you actually make on them. And that seed that you plant in whatever way that it was planted may blossom never, or it may blossom in 60, 60 years, like who knows, but really trusting that like you can only do the best that you can do. And once it's gone, trusting that that was the experience that everybody who was involved with it was supposed to have. That was very long winded. <laughs> oh, I just... <laughs> um, so I, we also talked Kristen about crying. <laughs> I know. I was like, I, don't, I, don't bring it up. I want to bring it up. <laughs> um, I'm crying as we're doing this. <laughs> um, so you're a crier, yes? Yes. PhD. You know what I mean? Get it. Do you have different types of cries? Ooh. Yeah, I think so. You know, the slow tear oh, or yeah. just like, you know, there's different emotions. Sometimes it's happy, but in most cases it's just that overwhelming you know feeling if you will yeah yeah Yeah, I guess there's different different types maybe I started coffee table book about those yeah I had the onion cries last night dude I love it yeah you know I met somebody once they were like I haven't cried in 16 years I thought no crazy I was like your soul is I've dated dated (laughs) people that (laughs) so how often do you cry oh that's it that's very personal I know Um, I just went there uh, you know it just depends I wouldn't say uh, you know um (laughs) like every two weeks maybe (laughs) it just depends on what's going on I mean I would say lately for me every day yeah (laughs) yeah Every day. Okay, maybe like every other week or something. But again, just depends. I mean, there's been some weeks where it's like, all right, every day. Yep. It's good clearing out. Yeah. I I didn't cry until I was 19. I mean, I did. Like, I would have tantrums when I was as a child. I'm a loon. But then I didn't. I was like very, very like strong. Um for a long time. And then I think I've shared this on the podcast before. Um, my freshman year, I was roommates with a girl from Memphis, Tennessee, and she was so girly and pink. And I was like, not that, but we got along really well. And she like opened up my emotions. And so we were watching Miracle on 34th Street, the new one. And Santa came out on the sleigh for the parade and was like, on Dasher, on Dancer. And she was like, Bilotti? I was on the top bunk and I was just a puddle up there. And ever since that, it was like the levee broke. And now I cry. I I wasn't comfortable at first, but I really, if I haven't cried in a while, I don't feel like I'm actually connected to my body. I'm like, oh, you're disconnected from yourself. And so then I try to like 
really pay attention to myself because crying is very cathartic for me. Totally. I kind of feel the same way. I mean, when I had to be quote unquote strong or I was just like pushing stuff down that I wasn't crying, but because I also, I mean, for, for me, especially being like in and out of the business world and not that you want to like cry at work all the time, but I, I was always growing up, like I'm, I was a crier. Like I cried all the time. Um, and then when I got older, it was like, oh shoot, like you can't cry in public. Like that makes other people feel uncomfortable and it makes you look quote unquote weak. And so that was the belief I had. And it was just like, shove it down, shove it down. But I also know if I can't cry, it turns into anger. Like that's the emotion that comes out instead. Yeah, like me too. It comes out in some way. Um, so that's been interesting for me, especially now that I'm being more open of my emotions. I still wouldn't say I necessarily feel comfortable in a professional setting crying. Um, but even amongst friends, like I'm, I'm trying to learn how to do it and like be okay with expressing and not worry about making other people feel uncomfortable because I know I'm like really good at just being like I'll laugh I'll laugh and so like because that's a laugh now I feel like it's gone from anger to like you can just laugh it off it's fine um to make other people feel uncomfortable even though like inside all I want to do is cry and then it gets stuck yeah I agree it, it you know definitely the anger portion or trying to be okay with it there's a lot of times where I'll cry and I'm like oh I'm just tired like I just try to blame it on something else when you know I just got to release the best is when or this happened a couple of times where I might have an emotional moment you know at home or something like okay I need to go out go do something else and you know like I went and got a pedicure one time and you could definitely tell I've been crying and I was like I won't run into anybody and I ran into someone you could tell they were like are you okay? Is everything going okay? I just kind of look at him like, yeah, what? You know, you know, but that's okay. <laughs> cool. Allergies. Allergies. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, allergies. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. But I think, like, I mean, definitely, Rachel's similar. My freshman year ish in high school is when I probably started to you know, I don't know if it's like hormone related, but you know, there's, there's definitely some biological things that kind of help shift, but that probably was around the time when I did start to cry. And, you know, I definitely, I grew up with family members that, you know, it's that old school mentality of just be tough. Don't cry. You're too sensitive. And I love them, but obviously, you know, we're learning more and more now that it's not maybe the most nurturing kind of aspect. Um, but I definitely look at crying as like a nice, good release for myself, whether it's emotional or confusion or kind of that overwhelming feeling. And even this whole trying to find my voice or, you know, the whole start, I guess, of wellness, it has been very hard. You know, I talk about, oh, I made this huge jump and it's still been very scary or confusing or doubt, you know, just a total mixture of emotions. And so I definitely feel like crying has become a release, but also that journey of, you know, the more that you dive into this world, yoga, meditation, or just the self, you start to peel back those layers. And sometimes that process can 
just spark more of that release with crying. And I know for me, it's it's been a release, but also a clearing of a new path. Um, and then now sometimes I look at it as like crying, just my maintenance. All right, I got to get crying. All right, move forward. There we go. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I, yeah, it is such a good release. I mean, and, and maybe for me, and I said like I'm crying every day, but it is like I, when I check in, it, it is. It's like all this emotion that has been running deep for so long that hasn't been released, that hasn't been cleared. And when I can go there, because again, conditioning, like very similar, I was told all the time, um, not even, I don't even want to say it was necessary for my parents because they, like, I definitely cried in my house and like, there was comfort there, but like from other people that I was like too sensitive or too soft or, you know, like all those things. And, um, but like the sadness is always, it doesn't go away. Like It has to get out somehow. So it's just like, it's just so much that's deep there and being able to recognize it and be okay with it. Like you said, just like, it's a normal experience. Everyone gets sad. Like have your space, have your safe spaces to let it out. Yeah. I, I think for me, it's been in to add on to that the way that i've been able to do it is to recognize when i'm uncomfortable and i can actually tell when i'm like holding it back and then just being like try to go a little further this time until so like i used to not be able to sit like if i was sitting on the couch with my boyfriend watching a movie and i was choked up i would be doing everything in my power to try and like gain your composure velati And then I remember telling myself once, like, I wish I could be one of those people who could just like sit in the beauty of crying and like, this is beautiful and I'm crying. This is my expression of it. Um, And so then one day I allowed myself to not hide it. And so then my boyfriend was like, are you crying? And I was like, yes, yes, yes. And like every time I feel like I've evolved to now I cry on the couch and he's just like, looks at me and he just smiles, you know, and I'm like, but it took me having to like, just push my edge a little bit further every time of my comfort, because I want it to be okay. And I have to hold space, not have to, I get to hold space for people who are feeling the gamut of emotions. And I need to be comfortable with it if I want to be, you know, a great coach. And, and the way you get comfortable is by being comfortable with yourself experiencing the wide gamut of emotions and so that's like stuck out to me as you know when I start to feel uncomfortable of like oh how's this gonna make other people feel again going back to the thing we were talking about earlier (laughs) it's like how do I just allow myself to be like red-faced and to have someone say how are you doing and not feel like I have to then pander to that storyline like I can then be like it was a hard morning and I'm breathing again and I've, I've been releasing and it's felt good. And, you know, and that's not before I was so worried about the, you know, here's the storyline we're now stepping into. You're concerned. I'm sad that everybody, everybody wants me to be happy. And so now I need to like sugarcoat this or whatever, um, or lean into the victimhood of it. And instead I'm really trying to play with this is the realness of this. Um, and so I, it feels relevant because 
as we were thinking about crying and living your true north, it's like crying and emotions are an authentic expression of the human experience. And the more I've been able to invite myself to allow me to have my own expression of those emotions for me and not having to try to curate the storyline around it, the, the more comfortable I get with myself, the more I can actually hear what myself is trying to tell, <laughs> tell me. But it takes practice for me anyways. Yeah, I get it. You know, and I think also the word, you know, sensitivity, I know Ugh, right, yeah. when we go into like gender roles or even just, you know, just even the definition of that word, I know personally, like growing up, don't be sensitive when actually sensitivity is a great thing. And the more you dive into even energies and vibrations, the more sensitive you are, you actually have a higher vibration. And then once you start to understand, okay, crying is a, a clearing of a path, and then we start to get comfortable, but also kind of that self-acceptance of, all right, I got some high vibration or energy and how you can use that to your best benefit. I love that. That's a beautiful way to put it. Yeah. You stop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's like, a yeah, just like celebrate it. And like when other people are, cause for me, if I cry around you, either I'm at a total breaking point or, <laughs> or like, I'm super comfortable with you too. So like as a friend holding space and being able to just like acknowledge that at first you might feel like you need to fix it, but you're actually like, Oh, this is at least in, for me, it's like, this is me actually showing you that you are a safe space to me. Um, and that can be celebrated. Yeah. There's a cool thing that I had sent Janelle a while back when we were starting to contemplate this conversation um, by somebody named Amber Iberecci. I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, but it says, why are you crying? And then the response is, I felt like growing. So I watered my soul. And I love that. Ooh, that's good. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. My soul is so hydrated right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. Uh this, I feel like we could keep talking about this, just like emotions as an inroad to who you are. And not that they have to be everything, but I do feel like in the world of wellness, there's either like people who are all about, you know, emotions are a messenger. And like Danielle Laporte is like all about tapping into your feelings as a way to live your best life. And then there's other people that are like, Emotions are just this thing that you have to just like, it's not actually the thing and they're there and they give you information, but they're not. Um, and I think there's this really beautiful place in the middle of honoring, honoring them as an input, as a part of the system. It's obviously there. Like we all shit because we have to get rid of stuff in our body that isn't needed anymore. And like what other ways, I mean, laughter is another way of getting release like a release is a part of like the cycle of life and um, to ignore the part of our system that is the way for us to process that release just seems crazy to me. But, you know, I understand from like intellectually, cognitively, why there was a society that felt that 
the only way to do it was to, you know, shut it down. <laughs> and it's cool to be a part of a, an evolution that is recognizing the benefit, the use of emotions in actually becoming the best productive version of yourself too. I mean, I personally know that if I can clear something out, I'm so much clearer. I am so much more aware. I can come up with solutions and resourcefulness. And sometimes all I need is like space to just feel the feeling. So the more that we invite that, I think the the better we actually will be at, at business and all that stuff too. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I'm exactly this. I mean, I know we're kind of all saying something similar, but for sure, like just clearing of the space. I know for me personally, um, from a creative standpoint or, or what I'm trying to see grow, even with my, the dogma soul kind of business is, is the growth, creating that space getting through any heartaches or relationships with self or others that might have contributed to that um, or confusion, right? Just all those elements that go into crying. But that's been the biggest thing is just the release, the clearing of the path and being able to focus on what I'm wanting to do creatively from a total passion perspective. And now it's like, all right, that's part of my ingredients or part of the recipe to to where I'm wanting to go. And that's okay. Oh, that's so cool. I've been getting back into collaging, which sounds so lame. Oh. I really need to stop making fun of myself. I'm yeah. always like, life coaching sounds so lame. Collaging, so lame. I'm really working to not do that, but okay, I'm in it. Um, I have, it's, and yes, you're right. It's like, I mean, even that in and of itself, that process for me is almost a way to, to channel what I'm going like to channel and clear. It's almost like, I think I use that to actually clear for my life. I don't know. It's kind of, it's, but it's interesting to think about where I might be clearing to be able to actually collage. It's kind of interesting. So I have a question for you, Kristen. Go for it. Why handmade? I mean, I know why I would, but I want to hear it from you. Like, what's your reason for leaning into handmade? There is such a, you know, I think it's like putting your love, your spin. It's an art. It's a passion. It just gives it a little bit more meaning. And I think it just gives it a whole nother level of authenticity, genuineness. I, I really believe in what you put in, you share, and hopefully others receive that as the same. And I say handmade for the mind, body, and soul, because there's kind of almost like different categories in my dogma soul perspective is, yeah, there's handmade products, if you will, or goods that I either personally make or in my adventures or travels, I'm meeting fellow creatives or artisans. And there's this really cool bond and connection that happens, I think, from a, you know, artist's perspective, no matter, you know, what whatever area you want to say artists, right? You got singers, you got photographers, you know, everything in life coaching, there's a, there's an art in that. And I think it, it's a powerful thing, not just giving in its love, but 
sharing that no matter where you are. And then even handmaids, like uh, I think about handmaids, I'm trying to do more kind of nature adventurous type of retreats. And there's a, there's a handmade love that goes into it, not just creating that, but the compassion and experience that people are getting as well. I always loved that idea that like the intention of the person who's made the thing sticks with the product. And so the energy of that person, I remember I got a tattoo when I was in Canada, but he was like the best tattoo guy there. And he was terrible. He was great at tattooing, but his energy sucked. And I walked away crying because I was like, his energy is forever in this tattoo. And I was like devastated. But the tattoo itself is actually two triangles that when my arms extended, it looks like a diamond. And when it's up like a bicep curl, it looks like a square. And the point of the tattoo was um, there's always another way to look at something or there's that it's not everything is exactly as it seems, which is fitting that that was I was sitting there crying over the energy that he put into my tattoo. And then I was like, or I could just lift my arm arm up in a bicep and look at this from a different perspective and get another take on it. But anyways, I love the idea that we influence energetically the things that we are around and absolutely the things that we make. And that leaves a mark beyond our physical existence. It's cool. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, I wish we could keep talking to you, Kristen. You just have like such a I always feel this way when I'm around you. You have such a, I know you're loud and boisterous, but you also, you have a calming presence for me. Um, and I just, I really love how I feel every time I leave my experience with you. So. Thank you. And right back at you. I mean, this is, it's, I'm smiling on my end. It's just, it's cool to meet other like-minded uh people. It's just yeah. cool. It really is. Yeah. We always ask people at the end of our uh, episodes, how do you live your true north in one word? So I invite you to answer that question. I would say adventure because cool. adventure has led me to some really beautiful things, whether it's adventuring to jump off that cliff and go to something new or when I venture the world, I am creatively inspired or find that connection. And then that personal self journey is also an adventure. Yeah. Where's your next edge? Where's your next adventure from here? Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> so many, you know, I ask people, what's your next top five bucket list? I'm like, uh, I need like a hundred bucket lists. <laughs> um, I'm always, it, it's cool. Energetically. I'm always drawn to Asia. And, um, you know, like Thailand or even being in India. And I have not yet done kind of that golden triangle, Vietnam, Cambodia, mm-hmm. and kind of the northern tip. So I think about that. But I mean, it, but I guess domestically, I've never gone to the White Sands National Park. Oh, I went earlier this year. Oh, that's awesome. Well, they have these full moon hikes. And then yeah. I hear you can take these badass like full moon, you know, it's just like a really cool photography session. So I think that's probably next on my like immediate, uh, list. What about you guys? Do you have any adventures that you're wanting? Uh, I think Uh, Janelle, you're up. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I think I'm 
about to live in and some sort of RV van. I gotta figure out the logistics and just go everywhere awesome. in the United States at least. And then if we can travel abroad, maybe take a few trips if the money's there. So everywhere. <laughs> no place to go and everywhere, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I'm I'm in the process. My adventure is more about becoming fully um, mobile is the word I use. But what that means is like, yes, I do actually want to eventually have a van of some sort that I can go live out of at months at a time. But for now, it's about setting up my income stream and my businesses to be 100% mobile where I could literally do them from anywhere. So I feel like this is the year where I manifest that more. I'm kind of like halfway there. Um, but I think this COVID thing was like a big permission slip for me to just go for it. Um, and then in terms of like traveling, I got myself one of those national parks passes earlier this year. I went to four national parks in the first like five days of the year. And then everything I should shut down. I'm really sad about it. But I think they're called the San Marguerite Mountains. Does that sound familiar to you? I'm probably getting it wrong. It's near the Carlsbad Caverns. It's like basically the Carlsbad Caverns go down and then this mountain structure is another national park right next to it that goes up. It's when where the, the shift happened. And so Dylan and I really want to go camping and hiking there. Uh, so we're kind of trying to figure out how we plan our schedules around doing that so cool so staying local for now yeah staying local for now but we also want to go see Stonehenge because we've got some buddies from our Egypt trip that live out there so we want to go pub it up with them and then they are like these crazy adventurers that know all the routes to take for um oh shit I cannot remember the group Oh, it's all escaping me. Uh, Stonemasons. The Stonemasons. Um, I don't know if you guys know anything about them, but there's kind of like a group that apparently there's like secrets and there's connection points, like some some, uh, hike or something you can do where you can get all this information. And so our buddy is out there and he's like, come, he's like a 65 year old dude. <laughs> he's like, come out, come out, drink with us and I'll take you all to the stone masons, blah, 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 blah. And we were like done. <laughs> so, yeah. So Kristen, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Probably. Well, I have three different ways to be honest, you know, Instagram kind of a new you know, modern day classic, um, which is dog underscore underscore M A like dogma underscore, um, or my website dogma soul.com. My email, um, any kind of contact information is on there. Perfect. And we'll put all of it in the show notes for people, but you are so awesome. Thank you. So much. Such a great conversation. Yeah. What a great way to start the day. Uh, I'm super grateful that I'm able to join you guys today. Thank you. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And if you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Otherwise, we will see you all next time.